0: Hey y'all, welcome back to the Friday, June 3rd, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, jam-packed three-hour program for you guys today, uh, broken up in three parts as they are every day on this uh, podcast feed here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Uh, First up, we've got some NASCAR. Yeah, we got some NASCAR to discuss uh, after uh, this past week's Coca-Cola 600, uh, Denny Hamlin, we talked about uh, Kevin Harvick, we talked about the next-gen cars, what's going to go on in Illinois this weekend, uh, Hendrick Motorsports, Kyle Busch, um, all that and more with Dave Moody you've uh, definitely heard and seen and listened to Dave Moody, um, lead announcer for Motor Racing Network and the host of Sirius XM Speedway on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. So legend in NASCAR coverage, and uh, Dave was extremely kind to give me a lot of his Time uh, this afternoon to talk all things NASCAR. So that's what we're going to do to get started here, hour one here on the Chase Us podcast here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. So go check out all the great shows on BlueWirePods.com. All kinds of great stuff. Greenlight with uh, uh, Chris Long. We've got Wide Receiver One with Chris Carter. Spinsters with Haley O'Shaughnessy and Jordan Liggins. Uh, just a jam packed, stacked uh, showcase of shows here at Blue Wire Pods. So uh, hour one coming up in just one second. Don't forget, you can check us out on YouTube. Make sure you like and subscribe the Chase Most Podcast on YouTube.com. That would be great uh, as we continue to grow that channel. Uh, over a hundred now, so that's cool on um, the subscriber front. So keep uh, getting those up so that uh, we just continue building that out. A lot of good video stuff going up over there at uh, on the YouTube page. So check that out if you've not already done so. Read me new pieces this week. A lot of new pieces. That you can read at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type in an your email and subscribe. Make sure you don't miss an issue of what I am writing uh, every single day. Uh, you can email the program at chase most podcast at gmail.com and tweet at me at chase double underscore thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com/slash chase thomas writer. All right, Uncle Darren, hour one. Let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, here we are. We're back here on a Thursday afternoon with Dave Moody, one of the best NASCAR reporters, insiders, talk hosts that you all know quite well. Dave, good afternoon, sir. How are you?
1: I'm Wells Chase. How are you?
0: Not too bad. Not too bad. Are you... Are you feeling relieved now that you've had a couple days uh, since one of the longest NASCAR races of all time?
1: Well, yeah, relief only comes in short spurts, though, because I'm back on an airplane tomorrow morning to go to Gateway for, for another doubleheader weekend there. So, yeah, at, at this time of year, there's not much time. You come home, uh, you dump the suitcase into the washing machine, put it <laughs> into the dryer, put it right back in the suitcase, and you're on your way to another airport.
0: Do you have a like rotation? Do you do you so you don't have to think about what you're wearing when you're on the road all the time? Or it's it been
1: so many years now. I it's like I I can pack in my sleep. Really? Yeah. It's it's been a long time.
0: Okay. Are you an aisle seat guy or a window seat guy?
1: I'm an aisle guy.
0: I'm an aisle guy.
1: I and and that's because I hate waking people up when I have to go <laughs> to the bathroom. Right. Mm-hmm. So I figure if I'm on the aisle, I'm not annoying anybody but myself.
0: That's a good – I like that. So you're thinking of others with your choice. I like that. Um, I was on one work. Can you sleep on planes at all? Are you? A... Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: oh yeah. Okay. I, I sleep better on an airplane than I do at home. That's probably because I spend more time there. But yeah. Yeah, there have been, there've been times over the years where everybody's boarding, and I just kind of nod off what's the aisles full. Uh-huh. And I feel that, that bump, and I think, okay, we must be taxiing back to take off and we actually just landed. I missed the whole thing.
0: That's amazing. I yeah. wish I could do that because – and there was someone – it's amazing because, like, my dad travels a lot for work still, and he's a good uh, sleeper when he's on planes. But uh, I remember this one guy. I was coming back from New York to uh, back to Atlanta, and this kid, he was the last person on the flight, and I was in the very back, and he was on my row. I had one extra seat, and he comes in. He slides in, and I kid you not, done, out, just completely – like, he sits down and just is, like, comatose. and it's a It's amazing. I I don't know how people do that, but uh, it's a gift. It's a gift. Um, I want to start with Denny Hamlin, though. So we talked about this race on Sunday. He obviously wins the race after a lot of stoppages, but he wins the Coca-Cola 600 uh, in Charlotte on Sunday. I guess you did not have to take a flight for that one, Dave, so at least you got around that. But um, what did you make of Denny's victory on, uh, on Sunday afternoon?
1: You know, he he did everything that you need to do to win a NASCAR Cup Series race. And, you know, I've heard some people trying to minimize it, saying, well, he backed into it. A lot of people didn't finish. A lot of guys that ran faster than him at various points in the race didn't finish the race. He started on the pole. He ran in the top ten virtually all night. Mm. He stayed out of wrecks, which the last time I checked is a really good way to do better in races. Crashing out generally gets you to, does not get you to victory lane. Mm. And he was there at the end, which is kind of the whole idea of the sport. So as far as I'm concerned, he checked every box that needed to be checked. He was a very deserving winner of that race
0: it's interesting too that he was involved in that because i mean a couple i mean how long has it been now this has been a little bit ago but hamlin and harvick uh talking openly about just i guess we're in an era where you do whatever it takes to win and that means spinning guys out that means doing things that in when they were coming up that was not necessarily the case and now it's all about winning and if that means taking dudes out uh that means taking dudes out is that something you were thinking about with Hamlin. And I mean, I'm sure he enjoyed that part of it. It's just that like, that's how he, he won.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, there's a long and grand tradition of older drivers looking down their noses at the way these young kids do things. You know, it's Mm -hmm. a, it's a variation on the you kids get off my lawn deal. Right. Mm. I mean, Richard Petty was not a, uh, was not a big fan of the way Daryl Waltrip operated Mm. in turn. Daryl Waltrip wasn't a big fan of how rusty Wallace operated and it just gets handed down generation to generation. Um, you know, the, the rules change the, the moral code changes from time to time, you know, and, uh, Back in the day, guys never got a cup ride until they were 28, 29, 30, 35 years old. Now, if you don't have a full-time cup ride by your 21st birthday, you're probably never going to get one. Hmm. And these young drivers are under a ton of pressure that drivers two or three decades ago just didn't face. They have to make it work, and they have to make it work now because they don't wait for you for very long anymore.
0: And it's also just that, like, uh, was it Han? I think... Who was it who talked openly me about what his kids were into? And his kids were drawn to F1. And that was a difference where it was like, oh, the youth. Like, this youth we have right now in NASCAR is extremely important because there's going to be uh, some questions 10 to 20 years. Not now, because there's a lot, a lot of young talent right now in NASCAR. But it's after this group. And then we have questions of, like, how does that split? Does NASCAR still get the best of the best? And, um, I don't know, do you think that that's going to be the case that NASCAR has to worry about 20 years from now and getting the best of the best?
1: It's going to take a lot of changing on the part of F1 Hmm. because their system is virtually identical to what their system was 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when Danica Patrick had an eye toward being a formula one driver someday, she literally at whatever it was, 15 years old, had to move by herself to Europe Hmm. because it's it's very difficult bordering on impossible to become an F one driver by doing anything, but running the F one ladder system in Europe through all those different formula. up to, up to formula one, you can't run a sprint car on dirt and become a formula one guy. You can't Mm. run a super late model on asphalt and become a formula one guy. There's only one way to get there. And that's very, very much Eurocentric with a little, a little bit of South American flavor, obviously as well. So I don't know. I, there's never been a better time to be a talented young driver in the entry-level divisions of NASCAR than there is right now. So I think they're in pretty good shape.
0: What? Um, speaking of just doing different things, uh, you get Bowman, you get Larson, and uh, who else is, it, is Chase? I, I don't remember if Chase is uh, making the jump. Also to Xfinity. Is that also? Are they uh, the big three? Are they all going, or was it uh, was it Bowman um, and Byron? And, well, uh,
1: the the new Hendrick deal. You yeah, mean? The, the new. Hendrick Yeah, yeah. it's going to be uh, one for Byron, one for Elliott and one for Bowman. That's memory it is. Serves. Yeah. yeah.
0: OK. Do you like that? And that's do-
1: just that's just simply to get them more more seat time, more track mm. time in an era where we barely practice anymore. Mm. It's just an opportunity for them to familiarize themselves with the racetrack.
0: Why do you think practice is down?
1: Well, we proved that we didn't need it, didn't we? I mean, we, we went through that whole, you know, COVID-19 deal mm. and and it it brought a lot of suffering about, but it also taught us some lessons that I don't think we ever would have learned any other way. We mm. weren't allowed to practice and we weren't allowed to qualify. And I remember the first race back after COVID, we went to Darlington and there were legitimate fears over whether it was physically possible to throw the green flag on a race at Darlington Raceway and have them storm off into turn one, having no practice and no qualifying without just having a massive cataclysmic pileup. Well, mm. not only did they pull it off quite nicely, they've done it week after week after week through the pandemic. And now we just kind of throw 15 minutes of practice at them and they say, yeah, we're good, let's go. And they go out there and make, as long as the splitter doesn't bang the ground on lap one, they're pretty much set to go.
0: Interesting. Which driver do you think's had the weirdest season thus far?
1: Oh lord, it, it's. I think it has to be Hamlin at this point. Huh. I mean, he just he was. They were so snake bit in the in the first half of what we've done so far, mm. um, and just made every kind of mistake under the sun. They were, you know, Denny went back to his pit road speeding penalty days. They had loose wheels. They had mechanical failures. They had crashes. They had. Everything that could possibly go wrong, go wrong. They had all kinds of speed and everybody could see that, but they didn't have any luck to go with it. Well, here lately he's finally gotten back to normal in the luck department. They've trimmed back on the mistakes quite a bit, and as a result, he's winning races.
0: Um is there one particular young driver you can't figure out to this point? Is it Cindric? Is it Bell? Who is there one in particular that stands out to you that you're like, I just cannot get a handle on this guy's at Chastain?
1: You know, the young kids all seem to be in pretty good shape right now. You know, mm. the, the Hendrick guys have all gone to victory lane. To to my mind, Chase, obviously the number one storyline of this season has been the next-gen race car and, mm. and the way it has upgraded the caliber of competition at virtually every venue. There's always going to be an exception or two. Martinsville certainly was one. But to me, the second biggest storyline of the season so far has got to be track house racing. Hmm. 16 months ago, they didn't even exist. Now they're, they're winning races. They're contending at the front of the pack, not just once a month or once every couple of months, but every single week, they've got at least one car at the front of the pack. Suarez and Chastain ran first and second for a significant period of time Sunday night in Charlotte. To me, the the ascension of Trackhouse has really been an amazing story.
0: Is Ross Chastain? Do you think he's just he's going to stay? Like he's going to be a guy long term in NASCAR?
1: Yeah, yeah. He he's a wheel man, and I and I think the same, quite honestly, of Daniel Suarez. Hmm. You know, Pip Ganassi in his final year in NASCAR before he made up his mind to to exit. He had two guys in mind that were going to be his next big stars after Kyle Larson left the nest. One of them was Ross Chastain. One of them was Zane Smith, who is going to be a huge star in this game in not too short a time either. But uh, I, I think, you know, Justin Marks didn't pick those two drivers by accident. He knew exactly what he was looking for, and he got exactly what he was looking for.
0: Interesting. Um, where does Christopher, Christopher Bell stack up for you?
1: Bell's just a huge talent and you know it's the problem is right now you got all these young kids that are just fist fighting each other Mm -hmm. for wins and there's only one per week right only one guy's going to victory lane every week Christopher Bell is as good as anybody out there Toyota and Joe Gibbs Racing think the world of him they're not he's not going anywhere in Mm -hmm. the foreseeable future
0: Interesting. Um, do you think the uh, the harmonious nature and uh, Hendricks is going to last long term that these guys are all just going to work on the same team for, for years to come? Or do you think there could be a it's split down? It
1: Yeah, it kind of has to. I mean, yeah. you, you, you're you not going to be at war. If you race for Rick Hendrick or Roger Penske or Joe Gibbs, you're just simply not going to be allowed to be at war with one of your teammates because mm. that, that tears a team apart from the inside. You can be rivals? Absolutely. And and let's be honest about it. Nobody wants to get beaten, period. But you certainly don't want to get beaten by your own teammate who everybody Mm. knows has the exact same equipment and resources that you have, because everybody knows if you're getting beaten by your own teammate, the finger gets pointed at you as the cause. So they all want to be the lead dog. And that healthy competition is a wonderful thing in house, as long as it doesn't take on any negative connotations.
0: Who do you think's the most competitive driver right now
1: the most competitive
0: mm-hmm.
1: i think again this year it's kyle bush i mean mm. the, half the half the time the guy goes to victory lane mad because he <laughs> didn't win by enough right and don't even talk to me about how he goes to victory lane when he's second or third you know uh he, he just he nicks it off the wall and the car is immediately killed it's dead. we're done it's over right i mean that's that's just the nature of Kyle Bush and and that kind of fire and that kind of drive it, it makes him a pain in the butt sometimes but it also makes him the champion that he is.
0: Can we not rule out uh, the M&M's have something to do with it? Like maybe when he changes sponsorship next season and he gets somebody else in there the personality and the demeanor changes. Maybe it's just it's all he's locked in on the M&M's that's just his they, M&M's persona.
1: Yeah, there, there is no way that I can visualize: <laughs> A. Joe Gibbs Racing and B. Toyota allowing Kyle Busch to get out of their grasp. I, I just yeah. I can't imagine that happening. Now they may have to come up with an interim sponsor, a one-year mm. deal with somebody, uh, while they continue to work on something long-term. But if you're if you're going to replace a driver, mm. the first question you should have already asked yourself is, who am I going to get that's better? Yeah. And if you look around out there, who are you going to get that's better than Kyle Bush? Who's going to win more races than and contend for championships the way Kyle has over the years? There's just nobody out there.
0: So you think he stays long-term? He locks in and they're going to get it I'd be it done. shocked
1: if he doesn't. Absolutely okay. shocked if he doesn't stay.
0: Interesting. Do you think he's misunderstood at all? Because I think a lot of folks, when you, you develop this reputation, and I mean, Harvick was this way a little bit, um, it's just... It Once that narrative gets out and that's who you are, it's really hard to shake that for a lot of fans. Do you think he's misunderstood in some ways?
1: I think it's also harder to change the narrative when you don't care to change that's the true. narrative. You know, uh, Kyle a long time ago made it very clear. From his point of view, he said, I am who I am. Mm. If you like me and you cheer for me on Sunday afternoon, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you hate me and you boo your guts out on Sunday afternoon, that's okay too. I'm just glad you're here. And and how many times has he said the haters are the motivators, you know? Mm-hmm. he's he's never going to be anything but what he is. He's never going to tone it down. He's never going to parse his words and try and be politically correct. That's just not Kyle.
0: Do you think that's that's rare and most guys are wanting to get the fans to like them, wanting to appease, wanting to keep the peace is that more the other way?
1: I th- I think at the at the end of the day, we all would rather be liked than hated, right? Mm. I mean, you'd, you'd, you'd like to assume that those two guys over in the corner pointing at you are saying nice things instead of <laughs> rotten things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But at the end of the day, no matter what those two guys are saying over in the corner, it doesn't really impact what you do on the racetrack unless you let it, right? If you let mm. other people's opinions cloud how you compete out there, it can be a negative. I don't see Kyle Busch ever doing that, ever.
0: If you were the head of the NASCAR marketing department, um, who would you push? Who is the, Who are the guys that you're pushing the next couple of years where you're like, these guys are the ones we should get behind to grow this sport and to really continue getting to that next level? Because they have a lot of momentum this year. And I think who they decide to kind of really zone in on uh, over the next couple of years to really push to the casual fan, who would you who would you circle?
1: That's a really interesting question. And, and the answer to that is... I would do now what NASCAR tried to do about three and a half or four years ago. Hmm. If you'll recall, we started the season and NASCAR's, you know, promotional arm was gung-ho about the young guns and the the young kids and the new lion, you know, the new talent. And it really hacked off Kevin Harvick and Kyle Hmm. Busch and guys like that. They said, wait a minute, you're promoting guys that have never won a single race. You know, we've got between us, we've got a hundred of them, Mm -hmm. and you're trying to sell tickets with guys that have never won at this level. And they were exactly right about that. They were absolutely positively right. Those young guys weren't ready yet. The William Byrons and the Christopher Bells, they weren't ready yet. They're ready now. Chase mm. Elliott. You know, they're winning championships, they're winning races, and they absolutely are the new breed for NASCAR. Now, you know, the old guys, the old gray beards like me, they've still got their fan base, right? But they're, mm. you know, every day we get a day older, and pretty soon there won't be any of us left. And those young kids are going to steer the ship.
0: If you had to rank one through four of the Hendricks top four, how would you do it right now? Based on just terms of their, their, Boy, that
1: would be tough. That would be yeah. really tough. That would be, that would be really <laughs> tough because. And, and this is a dream for Rick Hendrick, right? Because yeah. his dream has always been to have four cars that can win at any moment, can all make the championship four, and could all mm. win the championship. And and in the past, most of the time, he's only had three out of the four, right? There's always mm. been one lame duck or one ugly duckling, whatever you want to call it. For years, it was the five car that, that just couldn't seem to keep up with the others. This year... He's got four drivers, four crew chiefs, four race teams that are all outstanding, and they're all just about identical in terms of stats and figures. So, you know, the ranking that I give you this week would be totally different next week based on what happens, you know, this weekend in St. Louis.
0: Who do you think Jeff would say? Do you think it would be Kyle? Probably. Yeah.
1: Probably. I I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure, quite honestly— that race teams waste a lot of time worrying about ranking their drivers. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I had this conversation with Rick Hendrick years ago when people would ask or people would assume that, well, you know, that fourth team that's 11th in points when the others are one, two, and four, that other team just gets the leftovers, right? They get the engines that aren't quite as strong. They get the chassis that aren't quite as good. And I asked Rick about that many years ago now, and he said, I have the resources to field four championship race cars. Why in the world would I field four cars, but only three good ones? Yeah. What would I have to gain by by fielding three good cars and one bad car? The goal is always to have the top four. It, the, the goal is to finish one, two, three, four, 36 times a year, be one, two, three, four at Phoenix, and one, two, three, four in the championship. Now, obviously, that's about impossible to achieve, but that, that remains the goal
0: interesting do you have a favorite race thus far this season
1: you know it it just you know what they look like you mean graphics packages and no not even
0: graphic just like you've enjoyed like you were just like i enjoyed this race more than any other race this year
1: i I gotta tell you man and i i never i never would have believed that i would ever say these words but the coca-cola 600 just checked all the boxes for me and ordinarily i am I am such a fan of the Performance Racing Network come Coke 600 weekend because I don't Mm. work for them, right? And I don't have to be there doing a six hour or five and a half hour, whatever it is broadcast. Yeah. But man, it it was the lengthiest race by mileage in the history of NASCAR 619.5 miles. And I would have taken 20 more. I was, Mm. you know, I was, I was into it. I was digging it. I was loving it. There was, to my opinion, at least, never a spot in the program where it got dull and boring. There was side-by-side and three-wide racing at Charlotte, which we never see. So I I was absolutely stunned in a good way about the Coke 600.
0: Interesting. Was that the – did you, like, uh, see that? was it a fan – did the fans agree with that sentiment? Were they in on this this kind of race?
1: They really were. You know, uh, my buddy Jeff Gluck does his, you know, Twitter poll. Yeah. And it's – you know, it's – in some ways it's overly simplistic because the question is just, was it a good race? Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that hides a lot of sins because people vote no because my driver didn't win. People mm-hmm. vote no because the guy I don't like did win. There are a lot of reasons to vote no, but it was above 90% that said it was a good race this past weekend. And that's, that's pretty high.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Um, Do you think guys are getting used to the next-gen cars by now? Do you think that everybody's settled in, or do you think there's still a lot of folks who are like, I am not even close to where I want to be?
1: It's a work in process. It really Mm -hmm. is. Um, Mainly because, partly because at least, we're still going to racetracks with this new car that we haven't been to yet. Mm. Uh, Now, this weekend, we're going to Gateway. The Cup Series has never been to Gateway with any car, the new Mm. car, the old car or any car. So this one is a blank sheet of paper that they're going to have about 15 minutes to figure out. They're at the point where they're starting to acquire a notebook. Hmm. And, and you know, when they go to Atlanta, they'll bring their Charlotte notes with them. You know, like they brought their Texas notes to Charlotte. And gradually, they'll start to figure this thing out. But boy, I'll tell you, it's still early in the deal, which is why we've probably seen more single car, unmolested, nobody hit me, nobody bothered me, I just lost it spins this year, than mm-hmm. we have in a five-year period leading up to this year.
0: Do you think young guys or uh, the veterans have uh, gotten gotten a hold of it uh, better than the other
1: i don't know it, you know you, you look at the point standings you know and joey logano's right in the thick of it and mm. kyle bush is right in the thick of it it's still it's still the drivers and the organizations that were there a year ago or two years mm-hmm. ago so nothing really has changed at the front there was a lot of talk pre about the fact that maybe the young guys would have an advantage because they didn't have to unlearn any old habits from the mm-hmm. old car. But I've I've not really seen any evidence of that. You know, people point to Kevin Harvick not winning. Well, you know, Kevin Harvick didn't win last year either. They've got some mm. problems at Stuart Haas racing and and at Ford in general that they've not been able to figure out yet. But mm. I don't think I I don't think that Kevin Harvick has forgotten how to drive race cars overnight, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean he has gone viral this year, uh, so he's got that. The daughter flicking off the camera—that was pretty good. Uh, yeah, that know. was so well good. Yeah, Harvick's—I like Harvick. He's—he's he's funny. Um, we'll end on this. Who do you uh, who do you have as your favorite this weekend in Illinois?
1: You know, I, I have no idea, Chase. And and I, people ask me that on my serious XM show all the time. Mm. It, they want to—they're—they're they're filling out their pool, or you know, mm. they want to know who put a couple of bu- who to put a couple of bucks on. And win some people
0: some money. Win my listeners some money, Dave.
1: But here's the problem. I'm going to lose you some money because I don't have any more idea than you do. It's, mm. a, you know, it's 38 guys of which 25, 27 without too much of a surprise could win mm. the race. You know, It's not like picking a winner in the Super Bowl. It's either Team A or Team B. You can flip a coin and have a decent shot. You have yeah. to flip a whole pocket <laughs> full of coins when you go to the NASCAR race. I don't have – if I could pick the winners of NASCAR races – I'd be living on my private island in the in the Caribbean right now. This is yeah. not a private island in the Caribbean.
0: <laughs> it could be if you make it. I mean, I see, is that a, uh, you got some stuff behind you. You're, you're almost there. I'll, I'll send over some palm trees. We can make it work. Oh, or yeah, that'll, that'll work. That'll yeah. happen. <laughs> they, they, people say, you know, he's uh, North Carolina. It's got a lot, of, a lot of Caribbean in it. I'm one power um, ball away. There you go. Uh, Dave, how do the good folks keep up with your work and everything you got going on this week?
1: All right, pal. Appreciate
0: it. Thank you. we All right. We, all right, y'all. That'll put a bow on our one here on the Chase Most podcast here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Thank you again to Dave for coming on uh, our one uh, for the Chase Most podcast. It was great talking to him about all things NASCAR. And if you enjoyed our conversation, make sure that you leave this show a five-star rating and a review uh, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That's how you are indeed listening to this very program. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast player uh, so that you never miss any of our uh, awesome content. Uh, a lot of different, uh, episodes come in every single day here on the chase the podcast feed. So make sure you're subscribed so that you never miss an episode. There's a variety of stuff every single day. So, uh, if one episode's not for you, guess what? There's going to be one, I promise you, throughout the day and uh, on this very feed that uh, will pique your interest as a sports fan. So uh, if you support what we got going on here at the Jason Podcast, that would be a great thing you can do. Um, hour two coming up in just one second. Uh, we've got Troy Morris of South Forsyth, uh, the head football coach down there in my home state. Uh south forsyth war eagles so talk to him about his team and all that good stuff so that's coming up in hour two here on the chase thomas podcast here on the blue wire pot network uh all right uh, hour two coming up in just one second with aaron how'd i do
1: nicely done nephew chase thomas podcast hell yeah